0: I um, my parents planted a church in Arizona, and I so thought I was partly growing up of the of the beginnings of a church. And Pastor Greg's been a church planner, and in those first few years, you know, it's a it's a hard place. And so it'd be cool to see what God does um, with them in this city. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna start a brand new series today. Um, if anyone remembers, we just came out of uh, five or six weeks in a series called Blessed. And we talked about tithes and offerings and uh, all that type of stuff and giving. And uh, last week was about sacrificial giving. And then, uh, but now we're, we're going right into a series. Um, and the series, you guys are going to have to say it with me. And uh, and, and I'm going to kind of show you how to pronounce it. It's called kazone. All right, you got to act like you're about ready to hock a All right. <laughs> kazone. Can you say it? One, two, three, on the count of three. One, two, three. Kazon. All right, Kazon. That's the, that's the series. It's, a, it's actually a Hebrew word, and it comes out of this verse in Proverbs 29:18. It says, "Where there is no vision, the people perish. Have you heard of that verse before? Where there is no vision, the other places where there's no vision, the people cast off restraint. In other words, they, they wander around aimlessly, where there is no vision. Where there is no Kazon." That's the word for vision. Uh, I'll be honest; I stole the uh, I stole the, the the series title from uh, from a church online, uh, lifechurch.tv, and I thought, "Oh, I like that. I am going to take that. I am going to take that title." But, I, but I'll be honest; also, they stole it from the Bible. So, technically, to, right? Is that a good? key thanks. So, kazon. It kazon in Hebrew it's the it's a word that that means a dream, a revelation, a vision. But there is no cazon, the people perish. And not to be confused with calzone, that you eat. Um, and I think there's another Spanish word similar that means underwear. and we're not, We don't mean that. We mean cazon, a dream, a revelation, a vision. Here's the thought for the next few weeks. This is the series thought. This is what I want us to get in the next few weeks is this. Um, everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose isn't that right? Everyone ends up somewhere, but not you, because you are going to end up somewhere on purpose. Me too. How, how would that be? Wouldn't that be great that on purpose you lived your life? That on purpose, that we get to the end, and like Paul, we could say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. How many think that Paul ended up somewhere on purpose? Right, and I want us to be those types of people. I want us to be that type of church that we end up somewhere on purpose. And so, Kazone, this is a this is about vision. It's about having that revelation from the Lord, having that clarity of of who we are and where we're going. There's a um, there's a quote that says this: "The only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision." By a well-known lady named Helen Keller an author, political activist, and the first blind deaf person to earn a Bachelor of Arts degree. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. There's a man named um, Brian Houston, and uh, some of you may know him. If you don't know him, you know some of the music that's come out of his church. He pastors the Hillsong Church in Australia, and his son Joel is, uh, um, you know, kind of leads that Hillsong Unite. Anyone ever sung a Hillsong song? song, a hill song, song, right? Yeah, Brian Houston. Uh, uh, my claim to fame, actually, is this. Um in case you were wondering about my life, my claim to fame is that when I was pro- in grade school, I don't know, probably about eight years old, I was at a uh, national Open Bible Conference. We're part of Open Bible Churches is what our church is. And I was at a national Open Bible Conference with my family. And, uh, and Brian Houston happened to be the keynote speaker at the conference. And so I was, this is back when like rollerblading was really in and like all the kids had rollerblades. I don't know, do they still do that? But I, uh, I, I had rollerblades. I brought rollerblades to the hotel. And my brother did, and we were rollerblading with my good friend Joel Houston, right? And so I was learning, I was learning Australian accent. We were trying to, at eight years old, trying to speak like him. And Joel, uh, he he's written hundred. I mean, we don't know each other, by the way. We're not good friends, but but that was my claim to fame. Eight years old with the Hillsong people. Um, Anyways, in case you wanted to know. So. As we as we move on here, I want to talk. It, the next few weeks is going to really be about about this. Um, it, it's going to be about vision, but I want to define vision, and I want to, and so. It, we, you may have your own definitions of vision and mission and all this stuff. Maybe you grew up in corporate America. Maybe you're a businessman or maybe whatever. But I want to kind of define it the way we're going to define it here. And, uh, and, and let that be okay with you, all right? So as we, as we define this, uh, this is what I, what I want to look at. First of all, your why, in other words, say everyone say why. Why. Your why, your reason, your why is really the mission, Okay? And so why is connected to mission, it's purpose, it's your it's your why, it's the it's the reason for the what and, and we wanna I wanna define what as vision. That your vision is the what? It's the it's what you can see. That's why it's called vision, right? It's it's what you can see. It's the it's the it's the um, it's the calling. It, in, in other words, it's um, I, I like it how it says like this. Brian Houston, and that was why I was talking about Brian Houston. Everyone was wondering why did you talk about Brian Houston? I mean, no sense. Here's the quote <laughs> from Brian Houston: Calling is what you have in your hand. It's what you do. Purpose is what you have in your heart. It's what you love. And it's ultimately about Him, Jesus. I love that quote. Calling is what you have in your hand. It's, it's what you do. Purpose is what you have in your heart. It's what you love. And, and, and in our language today, we're going to talk about the why being the purpose and the vision being what's in your hand. It's, a, it's, the, uh, um, it's the vision. It's the calling. And this is where we have to be. It's your, it's your vision or your, uh, your what. In your vision, it's the why that defines that. Your why defines it. So, um, if you saw it like a, like if we were, if I'm going to turn around like this, if there was a quadrant, here's your here's your why, here's your what, here's your how, and here's your culture. It looks like this. I don't don't make fun of me and don't um, you know don't make faces at me when I'm turned around. If you if you have your what right here, your what has to serve your why. And your how has to serve your what. And your culture is the thing that, that serves all of them. It, it rests upon all of that. But I was thinking, you know, for an organization, you have to have that. But what about an individual life? Well, wouldn't it be great if you lived on purpose? Right? If you knew the why and that your why served the, the what and all of this type. And, and, and some of you, you're going to catch up here in a minute. But today, the message for today is get your why back. Over the next few weeks we're going to talk about a few of these things but today is all just simple could you get your why back? We we lose our why all the time. It, we, you, sometimes we start off with a, with a good why and, and then 10 years down the road we, we end up at a, at a job that we hate and, and you know, we're, we're, some people are smirking at me, right? And you end up at a job that you hate and, you, and you're even wondering about the, your marriage and your kids are screaming and yelling and you, you're sitting here just like, why? Why, Lord? What's, the, what's, my, what's my purpose? Or maybe you had a why and, and uh, you, you reached it. It's like you get to a point in your life and, and you've like accomplished a why and you're sitting here like, well, wait a minute, I accomplished it. Now the kids are moved out and I'm heading towards this next chapter of my life. I'm heading towards this, this place. I'm even seeing retirement in the future. I need a new why. I need a new why. And, and so that's where we're going to be at today. Here's the, um, here's the main thought. Your why gives meaning and purpose to your vision. So for today, if we could just zero in on this thought, that your why gives meaning and purpose to your vision. For believers, this is what I believe, for believers, um, the why should be relatively easy. And I know it's not always, but it, but it should be. Why? Because the Bible is full of why's. The Bible, I mean, you, go, you, you can like just glory dip, where you just open up the Bible and just kind of pick a verse, and there would be a good why right there. there there's always, there's a tons of good whys, like, like the Great Commission. How many know that's a good why to live your life by? Uh, you know, um, supernatural healing, you know, freedom and deliverance. I mean, you go through the Bible, and you're just like, I mean, like holding down, you know, you see, you see these prophets that are rebuilding walls, and you have, man, there's some great whys that are in the Bible. It's pretty easy. But your why gives meaning and purpose to your vision. So number one, I want to talk about, and actually two points. Everyone say amen. Two points. Two points today. The, the first point is this, the importance. We're going to talk about the importance of your why. Your vision is your what. It's what we're building. It's what we're building. What you're building in your life, what we're building in this church, it's your why. It's your vision. It's, it's a calling. It's what's in your hand. It's what you can see. I like this quote by Paul Manwaring. He's a, he's one of the executive staff people at the Bethel Church in Reading. He says this: "If your what doesn't have a why, your what becomes your why. You will reduce what could have been to maintaining what has been." That's a scary thought. I, I think sometimes we get really clear on our what and we lose sight of our why, and we end up just maintaining what has been. There's the quote, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always be what you've always been, or some variation thereof. Some of you need to get your why back. I want to look at two people in Scripture. I want to look at Jesus, and I want to look at Paul. And there's all kinds of people that we could reference, but I want to look at these two, because I felt like they were clear on their why. They got really, really clear on their why. Jesus well, Jesus was, he also had an advantage because he was also God, right? You know, but, but he got clear on his why. And, uh, and, and so this is, it, I, I like the place in Hebrews chapter 12. Um, this, this really shows us some of, the, some of the fuel behind it. But Jesus, man, he came on this earth as a baby. We know the Christmas story. He grew up and, and somewhere around 33 years old, he died on the cross for all of our sins. He gave us access to the to heaven to the presence of the Lord he, he i mean ripped the veil of the curtain in uh, the temple from top to bottom to provide us access to the presence i mean there's some great stuff in the in the bookmarks of his life i mean he healed the sick he raised the dead he preached better than any man or woman ever i mean this was a great man and you see all of the all the stuff in his life But I want us to zero in and look at this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. The author of Hebrews says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I love that phrase, for the joy set before him. I think that if you don't have the why, that, that your life could, could easily get sidetracked, that, the, that this whole thing could, could, could all of a sudden go off over here, life gets hard, and all of a sudden you're sitting here like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not sure why I'm doing this. Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. I mean, you think that maybe he didn't want to go to the cross? He was all God. He was all man. The, the God part of him knew the, the beginning and the end, knew the whole story and all this type, but he was fully man. I wonder if Jesus like, didn't desire to be beaten. I wonder if like he didn't desire to be flogged, like maybe like the crown of thorns, right? I wonder, you know, betrayed and rejected. I wonder if like, there was part of him that, that thought, you know what, I'd rather not go to the cross. I'd rather not be nailed and hanged. I wonder if Jesus ever ever thought well, you want to know what? He did think that. Watch this. Matthew 26 verse 38, starting verse 38, then he said to them, this is Jesus talking, "My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me." He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying, "Oh my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless not as I will, but as you will. In other words, I'd rather not go to the cross. And he goes on in verse 40, Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. I think there was a part of Jesus that didn't desire to go to the cross. And, and so he had to be able to, to endure the cross, to face the cross, to go on the journey to Calvary. to go. There had to have been a why. This wasn't just, just to go get her done. I think there was a why. I think Jesus' why was really clear. I think, one, it was to restore relationship with the Father. I think that he, he knew that his purpose, his why, that he needed to, to be a part of restoring relationship with you and I to the Father. That we had a broken relationship and he wanted to restore it. He knew that that was, that was his why. I think that his, part of it was to reconcile and to restore all things back to original design. The Garden of Eden was perfect. You remember the creation story and what did God always say? He says, God saw that it was good. And it got off track after Adam and Eve and all that type of stuff. And Jesus, part of His why was to restore things to original design. I think part of Jesus' why was to honor His Father. I think that in, in everything, He sits there in the garden. And He's one-on-one with His Father. And He says, not my will be done, your will be done. I think loyalty to the Father sent Him to the cross. I think that part of His why was that He loved His Father so much. He loved you. I believe Hebrews is right. I believe that you're his joy that was set before him. I believe that I'm his joy that was set before Jesus, that he endured the cross because of that, looking at my face, that he's hanging on the cross, that he endured it, that part of that joy was my face and your face. I think part of that joy was the Father's face. I think that for the joy set before him, out of loyalty to his Father, out of a deep love relationship with his Father, that he says, I'm going to do this, not my will, but your will be done. There was, a, there was an intense why. The Apostle Paul, we see some of his why. You remember the story, he, he was Saul before he was Paul, and he was in the book of Acts, he was persecuting Christians. He was, he was probably the equivalent of a Hitler at that time. And he was arresting Christians, torturing Christians, throwing them in jail, murdering. He was there at the stoning of the very first martyr. Do you guys remember a guy named Stephen? In the book of Acts. You should read Acts is just a great book to just, to just read and, and the history of the apostles and all this. And then... The Bible says that Saul, who later became Paul, that Saul was on on the road to Damascus, and Damascus was like a hub of of, uh, followers. They weren't called Christians yet. They were called followers of the way. And Paul, who was Saul at that time, he he thought that he was doing the will of God. He was a God-fearing man. He, he knew the, the scriptures. He was, a, he was a Jew of Jews. He had, he had, every, every Jew by the time they were 12 years old had memorized the first five books of the Bible. He knew scripture. I mean, this guy knew it. And I think on, on, a, on a mission, there was some place in his heart that was pure, that was just saying, I'm, just, I'm doing this for God. He was way deceived. He was way off in left field. He's on this road to go and actually persecute and, and, and arrest Christians who were who, their hub was Damascus. And on this mission for God, God shows up. Jesus. And, and it was a bright, shining light. And, and the Bible says he was knocked off his horse and he was blinded for three days. The, the voice comes out of this light and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he's like, oh, <laughs> right? I, I, didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know. And there was a three-day, there was like a transformation process in his heart of, of where he was and, and his whole mission in life at that point, his whole why was being transformed and changed. And, and you see this three days of being blind and there was this guy named um, Ananias. That, and, and Ananias was, was a follower of the way. He was, he, he'd be a Christian. They weren't called Christians yet, but he, would, he was a follower of Jesus. And Ananias, he, God shows up to him. In a dream and, and says, "Ananias, I'd like you to go and lay your hands on Saul's eyes so that he could receive sight back. And Ananias says back to God, "Let's just keep him blind." No, no, no. Wait, that's, that's not in the Bible. That's, that's wrong. Ananias, can you imagine it would be the equivalent of God showing up to a Jew? And saying, I'd like you to go hang, uh, put your hands on Hitler's eyes so he could get his, his eyesight back. I mean, that was, that was what was going on here. And so Ananias accepts the call. And he, and he goes over to, to uh, where Saul was staying. He was staying at a house on Straight Street. There's, it was actually the name of the street. It was called Straight Street. And he goes to this house. And Paul is blind He's got what looks like scales, and as Ananias places his hands on and prays for his eyes, what like, looks like scales fall, and, and Saul, who later becomes Paul, gets his eyesight back. And I think in that three days, his why changed. I think it did. In fact, we see some of Paul, Paul's why as we read, like Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, this is, this is quite, a, quite a few years later after this encounter. Paul says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to His holy apostles and prophets. It's this mystery. He's talking about the mystery. What's this mystery? That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the, uh, the effect working of His power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. Let me say this in English. (laughs) Paul's why was to reveal the mystery of the gospel what was the mystery? The mystery was that the Jews and the Gentiles were going to be heir together, that the Gentiles were going to be grafted in. This was the mystery. This didn't make any sense to, to a, a Jewish uh, culture that, that, wait a minute, the Gentiles get the same exact inheritance? Jesus, remember, he came first for the Jews and then for the Gentiles? And so Paul's why, not only did, was it rooted in this place where, where Paul was, was like so incredibly grateful for salvation. It, it, it traces back to being knocked off his horse and being blinded for three days. His why is, is rooted in gratitude. That, who me? You You're going to use... You're going to use me out of everybody? The, uh, you're going to use someone that's, that's imprisoned and murdered and, and tortured uh, uh, followers of Jesus? You're going to use me? I think his why goes back to this place of gratitude. But it gets specific. It gets defined that he's now not only to the Jews. and Paul was a Jew. Not only to the Jews, but his mission now, his specific why, was to bring this mystery that, hey, Gentiles, guess who's a Gentile? Well, if you're not Jew... Jewish you're a Gentile so it's you and me everyone say thank God for Paul that you and I are here because Paul thought I should reveal this mystery to the Gentiles this is huge his why is being played out for generations to come you and I are part of Paul's why I love it this is big This is huge. I think he was clear on this. He was so clear. Ephesians chapter 6, 18 through 20. This is why he asked for prayer. This is right after the full armor of God and all this stuff in verse 18 in Ephesians chapter 6. Paul's saying this. He says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. And then he asks this. He's asking for prayer for himself. He's asking for all the believers to pray for him. And for me, the utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to, to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul's in chains for the gospel. And he's just asking, could you pray for me so I could keep my eyes on the why? Why? So that I could stay true to the purpose, to the calling of Jesus Christ in my life. Would you also pray for me? He knew his why. His why was so clear. Not only does your why give meaning to your vision, it drives your vision. It keeps you focused in the midst of chaos. Anybody ever had a hard time? Man, we Remember that some of you were around. We went through a whole series on, on what gets revealed when hard times hit. We, we, you should go back and listen to some of those. Man, hard times hit. Paul's like the, the, uh, the epitome of hard times. He, he wrote a whole chapter saying, oh, you think you've got it rough? There's a whole chapter in the Bible where he basically says, have you ever been shipwrecked? Have you ever been beaten? Do you ever, have you been whipped? And he goes, it's all this stuff. He's like, he's like, get over yourself, basically. He said something like that. That was like the, the message version. Your why keeps you focused in the midst of chaos, in the midst of hard times. It's like no matter how hard it gets, you know your why. You're not easily swayed. For me, my personal vision, my my what? My vision, my what is this. To be used by God to help unlock people's prophetic destiny and to see them confidently walk that out. To empower and equip leaders to what God has called them to do. To create a landing pad for the supernatural presence of God in my personal life and in my ministry—that's my what. I'm going to dive more into that next week. That, that's my what. That's the that's my that's the vision. But why? And and that's the place when if you if you think you have your vision is your is your mission. If you think your vision is your why, just ask the question. Well, why? You, you read your, your vision, and it sounds more like a what. And you have to get to the end of that and then say, why? I, man, I, I had to do this. I, I looked at my, my clear vision there, and I got to the end, and I had to ask myself, well, why? Well, what's the reason for all that? Here's the why. Here's my why. I've got two whys in here. Number one, people fully aware of their God-given purpose and identity are dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. That's one Why? That's one reason why I do this. Because if you knew who you really were in Christ, you'd be dangerous. And the enemy would be trembling. I think, I think some of you, he's all right with you just doing what you're doing because you're not dangerous to him. So that's part of my why. You want to know the second part of my why is this. The Christian life minus the supernatural presence of God reduces Christianity to what man can accomplish on his own apart from God. And by default, makes us blend in with every other religion on the planet. Lasting transformation at some level is connected with the supernatural presence of God. So there's my why. My why fuels my what. And, and you guys, you, you may start catching on here that at some point we're going to have to start talking about us as a church. Like, why do we exist? But wouldn't it be really cool if you knew why you existed? Wouldn't it be neat if you just got clear on your why and that your why would fuel your what? So here's a, here's a thought number two. Point number two is the discovery. The discovery. This is, this is a, I just want to give you a, just a, a couple ideas. How do I discover my why? If it's really that important, if it's that thing that fuels everything else, let me give you just a few thoughts here. First of all, ask the question, why? Wouldn't that be a good idea? That's what, I, that's what I do. I'm just like, well, why? I, I, I'm a, I am like the king of, of asking questions. Ask those close to me. I am a question asker. My, my favorite question is why? Well, why? Well, why? So, so here, let, me, let me give you an example. Lord, why this job or career? Have you ever just sat down and just pushed pause and everything else and just said, Lord, why? Why am I here in this place? Lord, Why? Why this job or the career? Why this family? Why did you put me in this family? I'm not saying switch your family. I'm saying why. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there's a reason why. You were born into that family. There's a reason why that you guys came together in holy matrimony, right? There's a reason why. And you may have thought it was something, and maybe you forgot to ask the Lord, well, why? Why this family? Why this community? You know there's a reason why you're in this community? Why this city? What about this? Lord, why am I alive at this time in history? Man, you could have been born at any time in history, and he chose for you to be born right now. would be a good question to ask. Well, why? Why right now? Why this church? That's a good question. This is a big, unless you're a guest here today, I'm assuming that, that you're, you chose this church and, or you're in the process of choosing this church or whatever, I, I'd ask the Lord, why? Why? Just to, to show up and, and, and get a good feeling on a Sunday morning or whatever? Or is there a reason why God planted you here in this body of believers and not the other body of believers down, you know? We just prayed for another church in town. There's a lot of good churches in town. We're blessing a whole nother church with a whole lot of money. There's some great places where God could plant you, and for some reason, God planted you here. I, I'd ask the question, "Well, why? Why here?" Be a good question. So, ask why. You know, there's a general why. Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse eleven. I, I like this. It says, "He has made," talking about God, "He has made everything beautiful in its time." Also, He, God, has put eternity into man's heart yet so he, that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. In and, and, and other words, like, there's a mystery of eternity. There's eternal purpose. There, within every human being, God has placed eternity. In other words, there's something inside you that cries out for something that's beyond right now. There's, there's something that's crying out for eternity inside of every single person that has breath. And there's a general why. There's a, there's a general why, that we're like Paul, where you hopefully there's a sense of gratitude for your salvation, that, that, that you're choosing heaven instead of hell, that, that, that God, God chose you, that, that there's a cross, and we're coming up on the Easter season. Hopefully there's a general why. You could just, again, go back to the Word and say, you know what? Man, uh, Jesus said go into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize all nations in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm, that's a good enough why for me. There's some general whys like this where you could just kind of get over yourself a little bit and stop getting, getting so caught up in, in, in just kind of whatever and confusion, and you could just say, oh, there's a couple whys. Until you got a specific why, maybe just find one of those. There's some general whys. He's placed eternity in your heart. There's, a, there's something inside you that's crying out for more, and maybe you could just like, put your arm around somebody else and say, hey, let's do this together. That would be a good why. Take some, you know, plunder hell and populate heaven. Is that a good idea? I'm <laughs> glad I got a couple people on my, my side over here. I should preach more to the right side of the church. I apologize, guys. I don't know. I got this. I don't know what happens. <laughs> You're in. Thanks, man. Here's another. In the discovery, as we're discovering our why, let me give you another thought here. What about look back? Sometimes when I'm looking. For my why, when I'm trying to, I'm getting caught up in the what, and I'm just needing, like, why am I doing this? Sometimes I look back. And I look back, you start to see things that God has used in your life. You, you look at your history. You look at your timeline. Maybe take some time with the Lord and just look at your timeline of events, the family you were born into, and all of these different things, good and bad, the situations that, that just even in your control and outside of your control, there's a, there's a big phrase that, that we use uh, in Bible college. It was called sovereign foundations. In other words, the things that happened in your life regardless, like you were born a woman or a man. Can't do anything. Well, I guess you could do something about it, but you know, you know what I'm saying right? You you were born to a particular family. You were born to live, uh, you know, you're in the United States of America. There's, there's, there's some things that are just part of your sovereign foundations, right? You look at some, Then some other things. There's tragedies that probably has happened a couple. I, I bet there's some stories in here that, that we wouldn't wish on anybody. I also bet that there's some some really incredible things. I bet there's been some divine doors that have opened, some favor on your life, and, and you've walked into some things, and you're just like, I don't even know how I ended up here. It was just God. And you look, uh, this timeline of events, you look at some of the, the like your, your schooling, your high school, you look at maybe, maybe you were, like for me, I was involved in drama and theater and, and I, you know, I was involved in, in speech classes and, in college and all of a sudden, you know, I had no idea that someday I'd be a senior pastor of a local church and, and I probably used some of those things. And you see how God connects the dots in your life and you can look back and you can start seeing a why start to develop. I'm a fourth-generation minister. I told you I excelled in drama and theater. I actually got awards for it. They, they called me Thespian of the Year. You have to be careful with that word, but I was Thespian of the Year. It was kind of cool. <laughs> I grew up in a large, big metropolitan city of Phoenix, Arizona. Some I don't know. I think, I think it was like four million people or something like that. There's some of my sovereign foundations that I look back and I start to see some of the why come come apart. I saw a lot of fake Pentecostal stuff saw a lot of abuse when I talk about a, i don't mean abuse of people but just abuse of the of you know the spirit and, and you know things that were fleshy that were that they tried to put god the the god card on it you know I saw some of that stuff and and then and then I had my Genuine encounter with the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords in my grandmother's living room where I couldn't put words to it and whatever you want to call it. I was like the old fashioned Christian church term was slain in the spirit. I was slain in the spirit. I, in other words, I couldn't stand up. But mine didn't happen on the floor in a church, mine happened in a big old overstuffed lazy boy. And it started me on this journey to be a a pursuer of the presence of God, but also somebody that stands for truth. It's got to be real. It's got to be God. And, and there was some of this I wrestled with, and I, sometimes I erred on, on more of a, of a critical spirit and, and some of that type of stuff, and that had to get rooted out of me a little bit because, because I wanted to be this place where if it's God, I want it. And I didn't want to just kind of, you know, uh, maybe I'm going off on a tangent, but I didn't want to just say, well, that's all wrong, and then throw out the baby with the bathwater. I just wanted God. I wanted His presence. And so I was going to be a pursuer, and if I'm going to be a pursuer of His presence, there's going to probably be some fake in there too. You're right? You're, you're, you're going to probably have to like, like weed through some of it. You're probably going to have to test it. And I'm probably going to have to rub up against some things that are, that, well, I don't think that was God. You know what I'm saying? Because in order to test it, you got to be around it. And so the Lord had me on this journey to be a pursuer of his presence, but to be sensitive to what's real and, and to guide people into like a true, genuine encounter with the King of all kings. And I see that. And I see myself today, man, that's part of my purpose, That's part of my why. Rooting back to when I was 16 years old in my grandmother's living room. Maybe some of you can look at your history and your timeline and start to see your why. The last thing, maybe just an idea for you in discovering your why is this. Take the limits off. I love the question. I love the question. Take the limits off. Here's the question. I've shared it here before, but here's the question. If I had unlimited resources and it was impossible to fail... What would I do? Where would I go? Who would I reach? Fill in the blank. How much money would I have? How much money would I give away? I mean, whatever. Fill in the blank. If I had unlimited resources and it was impossible to fail, man, you start to see life without limits. How many know that uh, that's the life that we're supposed to live? How many know that you do have unlimited resources? How many know that with God, it is impossible to fail? How do I know that? What's the Bible say? With God, all things are. Man. And we start to see that if we take limits off, you start to actually look at your life the way God looks at it. You start to actually see that, man, sky's the limit. That your why can actually start to fuel and define your what? The discovery. The discovery. So, is that okay with you? This is a start. This is a start over the next few weeks of us as individuals and families getting purpose. I was talking with, a, with uh, uh, somebody this week, and they were telling me that they were going away even to just specifically get their why back. And they were looking at, they used the word Legacy. What if you started looking at your life? I don't care. You might be 18 years old. You might be 118 years old. Hopefully. Wow, that would be awesome. And maybe you could start right now saying, Lord, what am I leaving behind? What's my legacy? What's my why? What's fueling this last chapter of my life? So in closing here, I wanted to bring it home to this church. I thought, man, it'd be great just over the next few weeks that we start to just unpack, why is this church here in this city? Why, why do we exist? Why did God breathe on this place? And, uh, and he, uh, he breathed on this place, uh, I don't know, almost, what, 20 years ago? And it actually came out of a, uh, there was a church that had shut down and, and Pastor Greg and Kathleen came back from, from I think, the Seattle area to, to restart it and everything. But there was a whole history of that church that was shutting down even and, uh, for years and years. But so, Lord, but w- what about this place? What about Spare Life Church on Dove Hill? And I'll tell you what, we've been, we've been pretty clear in our what? Our vision has been pretty clear, we've been functioning, we've been doing the what, and all of a sudden, I found in my heart, and even some of our leaders' hearts, where we had to start asking, well, why? Well, why? I want to to share some of that with you right here. I'm going to put it up on the screen. Spirit of Life Church, here's the, Here's the what that, that we've been that we've been pretty clear on for a while Here's, this is, there's like three things that we're really about here and and if you you've been around a while you, you've heard us say this uh, the, the what or the vision is for people to encounter God in presence based services, for people to grow in deep friendships and presence based groups, and for people to show up powerfully in their sphere of influence releasing presence based ministry and and I felt like like we've been clear for a while. That's been how it's been going on for a while. But then I asked myself, well, why? Wouldn't that be a good question to ask? You want to know the why that started, that's starting to bubble up in my heart? Here's, you guys can have a sneak peek. Here's the why. Because things change in the presence of God. Lasting transformation at some level is connected with the supernatural presence of God. Our heart is to see our communities and city transformed as well as our region and to the ends of the earth. It all starts with people who are transformed. And that's my why. If I, I'm, I'm looking... I'm looking at wanting to, man, I got these. You, you sit in my board, my boardroom, and they're all like, all right, all right, calm down, Jonathan, right? You know, like, let's bring it into to focus here. But I'm sitting there like, I'd like to see a whole city transformed. Like, I want to see the region. I want to go to the ends of the earth. I want to have this intergalactic ministry, right? You know? But the, the why just roots back to this place of transformation. You know the priest's clothes? You, go, you bre- go read in the Old Testament, like Ezekiel 44. You know the priest's clothes, when they went into the Holy of Holies, were actually transformed. <laughs> like they, they actually carried presents. In fact, they had to change out of their clothes into, their, into other clothes because if they wore their clothes out in public, people would be consecrated before the Lord just because of their clothes. Like the presence of God is really powerful. You, mean, you remember the Mount of Transfiguration? Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, the presence of God comes and He's transfigured. The Bible, uh, different gospels take it, you have different takes, and you know, one says that he looked like lightning, one said it looked like like uh, he was like tied with bleach or something or something like that, right? You know, but, but his, he was so white, it would look like like it was transfigured, it was transformed. And I look, I I want to see transformation. I want to see individuals and families' lives totally transformed. I want to see a city just transformed. I want to see all of this stuff. And in order for lasting transformation to happen, in my humble opinion, it has to be connected to the supernatural presence of God. That's why. That's the reason for gateway for his presence. That's the reason for encountering Him in presence based services. That's a reason for presence based groups. That's a reason for for releasing presence based ministry, is because we long for lasting transformation. Let's stand. Pastor Kelly? Over the next few weeks, we're going to unpack it a little bit more. You're going to start to see the what unfold. Like, what do we do? You're going to start to see some of that, start to see some of the how. Because I want it to, you to get a picture for your own life. What would it look like if all of a sudden things came into view, came in, and it was just clear, and you were able to just function and, and show up powerfully in your sphere of influence and impact the world around you? Man, this is, it, it, it's not, I've said this before, it's not about just like the holy man up front, the sage on the stage. It's not about how, uh, how great the senior pastor is. It's about that Ephesians 4 principle where we equip the saints for the work of ministry. You guys, man, you know the, the, the only difference between some of you and me is I've maybe read the Bible more than some of you. I may have studied a little bit more than some of you. I may maybe have a little more experience. Some of you got more experience than me. There, that's really it. But I, I love the fact that God didn't like, pass out junior Holy Spirits to everybody. I love the fact that you've got the real deal inside of you and what would happen if you showed up powerfully this week in your sphere of influence man anything's possible anything's possible Lord, all over this place from my right to my left i just thank you for every person at the sound of my voice i thank you for who you've created them i thank you for the prophetic destiny on them god that there really is purpose and vision and right now i'm just sensing there's somebody even this week that you've been been thinking you know what i don't even know why i'm alive Some of you have even just thought out loud or even thought in your heart, you know what? It'd be nice if I didn't wake up the next morning. And Lord, right now over this place, he's birthing the why, the mission in your heart. It's coming alive. All of a sudden you're realizing that you were born to be alive at this time in history. Lord, every assignment of darkness that would want to cause uh, uh, thoughts of suicide and death and all those things, Lord, right now we break those things off and we release the, the joy of the Spirit and a garment of praise that breaks heaviness right now. And the Lord that there would be wells that would be redug. And there would be new purpose and new wives, new missions that would come alive to.